Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Are we all okay? Everyone alive? Brilliant. I just want to say we've got some great news for everyone in here. We are all pioneers. Every single one of us is a pioneer. We literally come from nothing to something, and that is exciting. It might seem daunting, but it's so exciting. So we're all pioneers. And if you don't know me, Phil's already mentioned who I am, Jono and my wife Annie. We, we take a, a lead on uh, the, the students, the 11 to 17, and then the, uh, the older students as well, the Students 101. And we actually have the amazing privilege of, of, of being here and serving this beautiful city. Annie and I, just a bit of quick, a quick brief um, st- backstory to all this. We were, we were walking around Nottingham one day when we were dating, courting, as Phil would say. And we just said, wouldn't it be amazing, God, if we, if we could be a part of a church or just have something to do with church in, in Nottingham? And then all of a sudden this came out of literally nowhere uh, to Christian. And I honestly believe God answered our dreams and our prayers. And, you know, we have this saying, dream big. This is a big dream for me. I would not ever have thought that I could be a part, in a part of uh, a city that I've, I've loved for all my life, leading alongside our pastor. So that's amazing. But we're in week two of our first ever series in Arena Church Nottingham, and it's called All Things New. And new things can be exciting, but they can also be daunting. New house, a new job. Those who call yourself students, a new city. New kids, a new season, a new normal, a new car. For ladies, my mum's not here, so I, I can't really say this, but whenever my, my mum would get a new wardrobe for her new shoes... Most weeks. Pray for my dad. And of course, what we're here today, a new church plant. Sometimes exciting, sometimes daunting. And our theme verse from the Bible is from Isaiah 43. And this is the theme verse for this series, All Things New. And it's amazing. It says this, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And I want to encourage you. You know, that is, that is out of the Bible. And I, I've really felt just to say, if you haven't got a Bible, we want to give you one. This is, I used to think this is just a book of stories, a book of law, a book of rules that we have to do. And we, we can't do this and we can't do that. I used to think it, uh, that until I read it. And then everything changed. This is, a, this is the living word of God. There's no, there is no higher authority than the Bible. And as you read the, the pages, it speaks right into your life. And honestly, you cannot miss out on that. We have got free Bibles we want to give to you. The leader of the service will touch on that later. But I just want to encourage you, get in this. It changes lives. It, it, lifts, it lifts our heads to something more than what we're currently seeing. But back to this story in the Bible. In Isaiah, God is reminding the people of all the amazing things he'd done before. He'd saved them. He'd brought them out of slavery, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He'd done some amazing things. And as he was saying it to them then, he's also saying that to us today. I've come from, God's done so many amazing things in my life. I'm free now. I I was a slave to so many things before my, my walk with Jesus. 
And that's amazing. But this is what God says. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. And that is exciting. God is a God who is constantly moving us into new things. And I make no assumptions here at all. If you don't know God, I'm here to tell you that this evening that following him is the most exciting decision you can ever make. Since I made that decision several years ago, life has been an adventure. Ups and downs, but I've had somebody beside me that can carry me through and that's amazing. So today, to link into that, I want to speak on this, a new security. And I want to encourage you like Phil is at the moment to make notes. To, if you want to look holy, that's when you, you start to make notes. If you don't, don't want to look holy, don't make notes. Pen and paper people are, are clearly the most holiest. Um, those that are on their phones, have we got any? They're just checking Facebook. <laughs> so just to, if you see them on their phones, just t- turn to these people and tut at them loudly. That was a joke. But I want you to think back to a time in your life where you felt secure. A time where you felt secure. And I understand that this isn't the case for everybody, but when I think of being secure, I think back to my childhood. In primary school and junior school, we had this this thing. I'm sure a lot of people have had this. My dad is bigger than your dad. My dad is better than your dad. Does anyone else have that at school? Yeah? And I'd be right in there bragging off about my dad and... It was never, I hate to say this, but it was never my dad's bigger than your dad because he never was. (laughs) Like me, my dad is vertically challenged. But it was usually something to do with football or or something along those lines. And it got me thinking, it wasn't very often that this happened because usually it was my mum. But the the odd day that my dad had off work, he he would come and pick me up or if I was ill or something like that, dad dad would be there. And I remember regardless of what happened, whether I felt ill that day, whether I'd been bullied, whether I'd had a bad day, whether I'd got in trouble, which was most of the time. As soon as I got in that car and as soon as that door shut, everything else faded away and I felt secure. We'd have Rush playing or Mike Oldfield or for you Christian pensioners in here, Delirious. And I vividly remember this feeling of security. And I, like I say, I understand this is not the case for anybody. I don't say that lightly. I do understand that there'll be people in here that have been let down by those who actually were meant to bring you security. But my point is this, regardless of our past, we all desire security. There's an American author and speaker, Zig Ziglar, which is the most amazing name ever, Zig Ziglar. He says this, people are basically the same the world over. Everybody wants the same things, to be happy, to be healthy, to be at least reasonably prosperous, and to be secure. And some of you, maybe some of you students in here may have heard about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and this is the only thing that I can remember from my university time. Uh, the picture's on the screen, I believe. But what, what Maslow said, it's a, a, he, he said that security is a basic need for everybody, that before people can feel, uh, feel loved and like they, they belong to things, people needed to f- feel safety and security. And they needed those kind of things just as much as food, water, warmth and rest. That's amazing. That's how powerful security is. But my point is this. Security is massive. And whenever something's big, there's going to be an attack on it. And there is an attack on security in this day today. Maybe you're here and 
the further you feel, the furthest away from secure that you could ever feel. And I want to take you back 10 or so years ago to a point we've, we've all been in. I just finished school, I'd had my results, and I was asking myself that question that everyone's going to ask at one point in life. Maybe some of you are still asking that this today, and it's this, what do I want to be when I grow up? How many are asking that still today? Yep, plenty of hands. And in my mind, I'd got everything planned out. I'd, I had my path. I had my, my security. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to be, I was going to go to college. I was going to then go to university. And then I was going to become an accountant. And at this point in life, I'd grown out of the security of my parents. My parents were not, at that point, responsible for me. I was now responsible for finding my own security. And it dawns on me, looking back now, how rubbish I was at choosing my friends. And to be fair, at being a good friend as well. And when I was searching for my security, I walked away from church and I walked towards everything that my parents had shown me was not secure. The things like drink, drugs, partying, everything that you can think of. It looked attractive to me. It looked secure. And a few years later, my dad will remember this, but I woke up in bed far from home at university that I'd set my security on, on a course that I felt like I was set up for life on. Yet everything was missing. Everything was missing. I'd put my trust in so many things that weren't secure, things like my career, things like highs, things like reputation. And I came to a point where I crashed and I burned and I had to leave the city, I had to leave the university and the course that I thought was going to bring me security. This is my question. What do you do when everything you've put your hope in comes crashing down? What do you do when everything you've put your hope in comes crashing down? And maybe you know what it feels like here tonight. That job for life, you've lost it. That family member suddenly passing away. A door that you thought was, was going to be opened, shut. That finance that you thought you could rely on has disappeared. And that health you took for granted taken away suddenly where do you turn when your security becomes shaken and Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 for those holy note takers he talks about the difference between a wise man who builds his who builds his house on a rock and a foolish man who builds it on sand and when rain comes and when the wind of life blows one stands secure and the other falls with and the bible actually says with a great crash that's what my life was like at that time a great crash this is the thing what we put our security in determines whether we stand or fall in hard times you see having a great job plenty of money in the bank a nice car brilliant help uh, brilliant health high aspirations these are all amazing things but if they're placed in a position of security what happens when they fail or don't go to plan let me take it one step further and you know my mum and dad are amazing people but they're human that means that my mum and dad are bound to get it wrong and if I place my security in my mum and dad my security will constantly be shaken I was going to say something about my wife but I, I need my tea tonight so I'll stay there <laughs> but what about myself can I place my security in myself I am flawed and I am imperfect. You are flawed and you are imperfect. There's a, an amazing verse in the Bible in Romans 7, verse 15, and 
You might think that Christians are perfect, that Christians have everything together, that Christians don't struggle with things that people in the world don't struggle with. But this is the Apostle Paul talking, the guy that everyone, some, I believe it, you know, it's Peter that people kiss the Catholics kiss the feet. This is, this is the guy that is, if you're going to look to anyone in the Christian faith, it's the Apostle Paul, and this is what he says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. This is Apostle Paul. Is his security? If he put his security in himself, what he's saying is he'll be thrown to the left and to the right. He, he just he can't he can't be secure in himself. And at the moment, I recognise this, and I'm sure some people in here do that. There's there's an attitude that's more prominent in our culture at the moment in in my age group and, and below that th- there's this thing: you do you, you do you, bro. People say that I'm secure in who I am. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. And this really is not true. Honestly, we fail, we mess up. I cannot be secure in myself. You cannot be secure in yourself because you, you fail. We mess up. And what you're thinking right now is this. Okay, Dr. Depressing. What can I be secure in? It's a good nickname, that. There is good news. There is good Three cheers for Jack. Let me say that again. When he was all I had, I realised he was all that I needed. A new lasting security is found only in the person of Jesus. You can survive the worst storms in life with Jesus. Job 11 verse 18, I absolutely love this verse. It says this, and this is a promise for everyone in this room. You will feel secure because there is hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. You can take rest. You know, we find, we find everything but rest when we put our security in other things. Who wants this kind of rest? I want this kind of rest and security. But how do we do that? Four points. Four promises for everyone to take away. Directly from God in his word. I was reminded this morning from in our, in our other campus that in this word, there's nearly 8,000 promises, and I've only got four tonight, but these are four amazing promises from God. And the first promise is this, God fights for you. Most people think that God is a God who fights against them, that tries to trip them up with these things that we can and can't do. I, I, have this, I used to have this question in my life all the time. If God's real, if God is for me, why is all this rubbish happening in the world? Why is all this rubbish happening in my world? Never mind out there. But this is a promise from God. Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. If there's ever a verse for today, it's that one. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I love this saying. If you're going through hell, keep going. If you're going through hell, keep going. The maker of the universe, the one who created you, the one who has defeated death and grave, he fights for you. He fights for me. That is unbelievable. He fights for us. Stay calm, stay secure in that. And you know, until he comes back, at which point there'll be no fighting, there'll be no crying, there'll only be joy. Until then, we, we can be secure and calm knowing that he is in control. That, that fills us with the security. The second promise is this. God is protecting you. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. 
says this, but the Lord can be trusted to make you strong and protect you from harm. And we won't know until heaven just how many times that this happens, but I, I honestly know, I honestly believe that there's times where God has protected me from things even before they've happened. You know, there might be cancelled meetings or, or road diversions. There might be distractions. There might be closed doors. You know, the day, the day that I was diagnosed with the illness that I've got, the doctors did not understand how I was still awake. I was even alive to, to some sense because my levels were so, so high that I, was, I should have been in a coma. But I honestly believe that God was protecting me. He, he, he made this body so he can decide whether it works or doesn't and I have to rest in that. When you realise that the God of the uni- universe protects you, you will feel secure. That is a promise. And a third promise, and honestly the most skewed thought of God ever, is this. God loves you. God loves you. This passage in the Bible says everything that I honestly cannot. It's from Romans 38 verse 39. For I am convinced, this is Paul speaking again, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, this is it, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a loving God we serve. What a loving God I serve. You know, nothing you do, whether good or bad, can make God love you any more or any less. That is the most, I can't get my head around that in my mind, that if I feel like I've lived an amazing life, that I've given to charity, I've encouraged people, I don't, if I feel like I've not done anything wrong, I've never hurt anyone, or if I feel like I've been nothing but a mess up, God loves me equal. That is, I I can't get my head around that, it's amazing. That makes no sense to me, but that is what the Bible says, and the Bible is the truth, so we have to submit our thoughts sometimes to what the Bible says, and that is unbelievable. That fills me with security. And Christians, this is a message to you. This has to be our message. This has to be our message. To the lost, to the lonely, to those who are scrambling for help, we have to carry this message out of these four walls to our friends, to our family, to our work colleagues, to those we meet. We cannot have a message of, if you get rid of this part of your life, then, then God will love you. Because that is the complete opposite to what Jesus came to the earth for. That's complete opposite to what is in here. And naturally, like I've said, we want to think that. We want to think in our minds. We have this bias to think, if I get things right, then God's going to accept me. If I get things right, God's going to love me. But that is not true at all from in the Bible. I honestly believe it's a, it's a slap around God's face if we believe that we, that we have to get things right to actually become loved by God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And this message is so simple, yet so effective. It's simply this. This message that we must carry out of these walls is that God loves you. God loves you regardless and I believe that there'll be, there'll be challenging, broken and beautiful people that walk in this building. I'm one of them. But hear me right here. We do not divert from the truth of this Bible. We stick to that like glue. But everyone is welcome. Everyone is loved. Everyone is accepted. We have that sign at the front of this, at the front of this building that says, you are welcome. We have to carry that. We can't say, you are welcome, and then... I'm sorry, you're not welcome if you're dealing with this sin. You, you, you're on drugs. You're not welcome. I'm sorry. If we're saying that, we've got to believe it. If it says it in here, we've got to, we've got to live it. And 
I, I, I read this in a book that if, if you were asked what was missing from this church, I hope your answer is not more courses, more structures, cleaner floors, quieter songs. I hope your answer is my friends. What's missing from this church is my friends, my family. But let me be clear, a good father would not be good if he is happy to leave us in our mess. He accepts us, he welcomes us, but then he walks with us to become more like him. There's this saying that we throw around in churches, but it's so amazing. God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. When I, when I, need, when I was a child, I needed discipline. And my dad would say amen to that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, need, I needed so much more spiritual discipline when I first came to Christ and thank God I had good people around me that would help me through this that accepted me as I was and walked me through this and that this is the reason that we in Arena Church we believe in small groups we believe in in not just life change happening in these rows but actually in circles as we meet out of these buildings as we as we go to uh, places to eat and just have a chat and just be open and honest the Bible says as we confess to one another we become healed if you want to be healed, get in a small group. We want to be launching small groups in Nottingham very soon. And they'll look, they'll look in different ways. They'll, uh, they'll have different uh, variations of it. But the basic thing is this. It's a place, uh, a group to belong. A place to find freedom from the things that are holding us back. And a place just to, to feel connected. Life change happens in circles, not rows. I love that. We actually have our first student small group in some sense is coming up this uh, a week on Saturday so if you're a student here I believe we've we've sent out some invites but if you want to know more come and come and speak to me or Annie after we've got our first student small group coming up and the fourth promise is this and it's one of the most amazing promises is this God wants to know you God wants to know you and this fills me with such security like I said, the God who created the universe, the God who created me, who knit, knit me together in my mother's womb, he wants to know me. And this is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. All other religions search for God through sacrifice and good deeds. But in Christianity, instead of searching for God, God has already searched for us. Put it another way, it's this. Instead of reaching up to God, God reaches down to us through Jesus. He came down from heaven to do for us what we could not and ever do for ourselves, a perfect sacrifice for all our wrong so we could be in a relationship with the perfect God, so we could know him. I love this psalm. The picture of Psalm 113 verse 6 says this. He stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. The, the very picture of God stooping down to know us, that fills me with security. That's amazing. The most secure feeling is knowing that God wants to know me. Not just know about me, but know me intimately, inside and out. Nothing hidden. That kind of life is a life that I, I, I would love. Nothing hidden, nothing at all. God knows everything and he knows everything about you. He knows nothing is a surprise to him. Nothing that you're dealing with, nothing that I'm dealing with is a surprise to God. He loves you regardless. He wants to know you regardless. And these four promises should fill us with a new security. 
We no longer have to scramble around looking for things that bring temporary fulfillment, temporary security, but we can know the one who brings lasting security. And as I finish, I want to read this Bible verse over us all tonight. And honestly, just listen to it. The words are unbelievable. Matthew 6, verse 30 to 33. It's taken from the message. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. That is a a, a new security. That is a lasting security. That is amazing. And I'd be doing you all a disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to that this evening. So I wondered if if you just all just bow your heads and close your eyes, just to, to give people privacy around as the band comes up as well. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple a response as that. Knowing God is not a 10-step process of getting things right, but a response to what you've heard. And if you want a new security in God, if you want to know God intimately, if you want to know him personally today and respond to that prompting inside of you, all I ask is this. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed right now, just for privacy. If you want to respond to that, if you want to put Jesus as your Lord, if you want a new security in Jesus, I just ask as every head is bowed, you just raise your hand up right now.